Good morning, everyone. Yeah, a couple of you are awake. All right. I, I appreciate that. Uh, glad you're here. Uh, if I've not had a chance to meet you, my name is Aaron, uh, lead pastor uh, for Riverwood, and as already been said, welcome to Riverwood. Uh, whether you're here in our building or you're joining us online, i uh, really, really glad that you've chosen to uh, spend this next uh, at this hour with us, worshiping uh, God and thanking him for sending his son, Jesus. And uh, Jake is right. You guys look fantastic in your Christmas sweaters. Uh, I just got to ad admit, well done. Uh, if you're at home and you're wearing a Christmas sweater, great job, but I suspect you're in your pajamas, and that's just fine, too. I I'm glad you're connecting with us. You guys do realize Christmas is this week. All right, yeah. So uh, anyone willing to admit they don't have their Christmas shopping done? Okay, if you're at home, a few hands went up. Um, that you guys have plenty of time, all right? You got three and a half days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Plenty of time, right? No, it's crunch time, okay? You guys have got to get going. Uh, the, the reason you probably don't have a gift yet is, uh, maybe it's just you haven't had time, but, but honestly, it's probably because you don't know what to give this person, like, there's someone in your mind, and you're like, I, I just, I don't know what to give them. And, and this desperation leads us to do crazy things. Like, we, we like go on Google, and we just start searching out odd uh, items, you know, hoping, like, something would spark an idea. Or we just find ourselves wandering through Norby's, you know, aimlessly. Like, they have no interest in dog food or farm equipment, and yet somehow you're trying to find something to give this person. Like, we, we just begin to get desperate. Sometimes in our desperation, though, we begin asking other people, uh, people at work, uh, classmates at school, uh, neighbors, you know, we start texting someone, hoping that they might tell us, hey, last year, I got my wife this, and it was absolutely perfect, she loved it, you should get it too. In a sense, what we're wanting is for, to hear a word of mouth advertisement. Marketing experts have been saying for years that word-of-mouth advertising is the most effective means of helping someone in, be introduced to a new company or, or buy a product. I mean, a lot of us, myself included, rely on Amazon reviews, but those are anonymous people to us. But when the person is physically there in front of you saying, oh, you'll love it, your probability of buying it increases exponentially because the person is right there. You can see it in their eyes. You can hear it in their voice. They're raving about it, and you want to join in with that too. Today's Christmas song from the Bible is basically a word-of-mouth advertisement. We're going to see a group of people advertise some event, and a group is going to hear about it, and they're going to want to participate. They want to go see it for themselves. And what's going to happen is not only are they going to get excited as well, they're going to turn into word-of-mouth advertisers at the same time. The story is found in Luke chapter 2. So if you brought your Bible with you, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 2. If you are a first-time guest with us, whether online or here in person, and you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. We're going to put the scripture up on the screen, but we just really encourage you, get a Bible. We don't care if it's a digital Bible or a paper Bible. We just want you to have one. So download a Bible to your phone or go out and buy yourself a, a Christmas present of a paper Bible. You can get one at Walmart and make it your Christmas gift. And that way you can use it not only on Sundays, but you can use it any day of the week. Um, as, as we get ready to read from Luke 2, let me just kind of set the stage for where we've been so far, because I think it's going to help us appreciate today even more. Uh, when we kicked off our Advent series, we started off back in the book of Isaiah. We heard Isaiah's song in Isaiah chapter 9, 700 years before the first Christmas, and yet it was a Christmas song. 
And what we saw was Isaiah was warning the people of his day that some hard times were coming. In, in about 100 years after he wrote those words, they were going to go into exile. And sure enough, they did. They end up in exile in Babylon, and it was a difficult time in the life of Israel. And in the midst of their despair, Isaiah's words would have given them hope. And so in week one of Advent, we saw that Christmas brings hope. Two weeks ago, we went to Luke chapter one, and we heard Zechariah's song. We heard the story of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, of how they were these righteous people, but they had no children. And yet in a, in a moment when Zechariah is serving as the priest inside the temple, an angel appears and he, he, uh, he, he uh, says that John, the, uh, well, John the Baptist, but they're going to have a child and they're going to name him John. And sure enough, in their old age, we talked about how they were probably in their 40s, they end up having their firstborn son, a child. And after Zechariah, because he didn't believe the angel, the angel says, well, you're going to be mute for nine months. And he was. And after John is born, Zechariah can, can suddenly speak. And the very first words out of his mouth are his Christmas song. And what we heard in his song is peace, that Christmas brings peace. The coming of Jesus to this earth should bring us peace. Then last week, we heard Mary's song, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And what we saw was that when Gabriel the angel told her that even though she was, she was engaged to Joseph, they weren't officially married yet. And yet God was going to have her become pregnant as a virgin with the Messiah. And yet this would cause everyone around to think that she and Joseph hadn't waited until the wedding night. And it was going to make them think certain things about her. It was basically welcoming shame and scorn upon her. And yet she said yes. And as we looked at her song, her Christmas song, known as the Magnificat, we could not help but see the joy that she has. And we see that Christmas should bring us joy. But there's one more theme of Advent that we need to look at today, and we're going to hear it in the angel's song. So to get to the angel's song, we've got to come to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to set the stage with the first part of the story. So as I get ready to read verses 1 through 7, let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we are about to come to your holy scriptures. You wrote these words so long ago, and yet they are still resonating to us today. And so, God, even though so many of us are familiar with this story, we hear it every single year, we've read it many times, would you show us something afresh? And maybe, God, it isn't something that's absolutely new. Maybe it's just something that we've kind of forgotten, something that, that we just haven't believed. It's something that we know in our head, but we've not been feeling it in our heart. Would you use today to draw us to you? You would touch us. May you use this like a word-of-mouth advertisement to advertise how great you are, how much you love us, and it would move our hearts to worship you this Christmas. So teach us now, Heavenly Father, and it's in your Son's name we pray to you through your Spirit. Amen. All right, Luke 2, 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, what, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn." So we have been looking at three prior Christmas songs. All three Christmas songs have pointed to this moment right here, this 
event. And many of the Christmas carols that we sing together, whether it's here on Sunday mornings or Christmas caroling later this afternoon, they, they proclaim all about this event right here. This is the famous Christmas story. Many of us know it. We know the story of Joseph and Mary, that, that they're not officially married yet, but they're, they're betrothed, they're engaged, and they make this trip back to Bethlehem. They, they lived in Nazareth in Galilee, and yet the Roman Empire, uh, emperor just happened to call for a census, which requires them to go back to their hometown. Joseph was from the line of David. By the way, Mary was as well. And so they have to make it back to the city of David, Bethlehem. But that was in accordance with prophecy. In the book of Malachi, it says about Bethlehem, this tiny little village, that from them would come the Messiah. And so Mary and Joseph make this long trip, and while they're there registering for the census, Jesus comes. And we see that it says that, there, that he had to be laid in a, a manger. That, that was a feeding trough. Uh, there's been a lot of questions about, you know, are they in some sort of barn? Are they in a cave just outside of town? Or, you know, I, I read a few years ago about how some houses were two-story, and so the, the people lived on the second story and the animals on the first uh, level. Uh, just this last week, I read an article that said that actually, no, the homes were, were kind of ranch style, where the, the family lived on one part, and just, you know, right there next to it was, was you know, would be the barn where the, they would uh, stay. And, and also, the, the word inn isn't referring to like a motel. It could just mean a guest room. So perhaps Joseph and Mary come back, and, and they're, they find some of Joseph's you know, relatives, his family, and they're trying to stay with them. But other family had gotten there first, and so there was no room for them in the inn, in the guest room. And so Mary ends up out near the animals and gives birth to Jesus. Now, a lot of speculation, a lot of dialogue, a lot of debate has happened on what type of dwelling was it that they were in. But for our purposes today, that, that really doesn't matter. Also today, we're, we're not going to spend a lot of time looking at these paradoxes that are inside the story. One of the things I love about the Christmas story is this idea of the king of heaven coming down into the form of a baby. Yeah, of, the, of the king stepping down from his throne and being laid in a feeding trough. Of, of a king setting aside his heavenly robes to take on swaddling cloths. That, that, that instead of now being worshipped by the angels in heaven in the heavenly courts, there, there's just this poor couple, a carpenter, and his, uh, his engaged, his fiance, his, his soon-to-be wife. But for our purposes today, we're not going to spend a ton of time on that. As much as the nerd in me would love to geek out and, and look at that and, and the way it moves my heart and tantalizes my mind, that's not our purpose. Because our series is the Christmas songs of the Bible. We've got to get to the song. And the song comes next. So pick it up in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. But when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. 
And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as had been told them. I want you to imagine what life was like for these shepherds. They spend their time out in a field, alone, taking care of these animals. Uh, you you got to lead them to grass. You got to lead them to water. You're, you're exposed to the elements. You know, wh whatever the temperature is, you just got to deal with it. And because you're kind of out there alone, you're, you're separated from the rest of society. So you can't fully participate in the things of, of, of the culture. So you, you can't go and participate in the worship at the synagogue. You, you can't be a part of, of all the feasts at the same time as everyone else. And, and so it would cause the people of the day to kind of see these shepherds as a little odd, as the outcast, as, as the weirdos of the, the, of the culture. Now, in, in fairness, I found one commentary that said that this description of this low reputation of shepherds actually doesn't come until much later. However, I found a Jewish midrash that disagreed. Uh, a Jewish midrash is kind of like a, a commentary on the, the Hebrew scriptures. And this Jewish midrash on Psalm 23 said this, there is no disreputable occupation than that of a shepherd. This in Psalm 23, where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And some Jewish rabbi says, yeah, but there's no uh, like occupation worse than shepherd. Like in the, in the pecking order, like I think leper would be at the bottom, a thief above it, and then shepherd. Like these guys were not liked. They were the outcasts, which is why they were the absolute perfect people for the angels to announce the coming of Jesus. Because Jesus chose not to be born in a palace to identify with the wealthy and the powerful He's born to a poor carpenter and his, his fiance, and he's laid in a manger, showing that he identifies with the outcast, with the broken, with the sinful, with the weak, with the shepherds. Because Jesus himself later in his own teaching said, I am the good shepherd. It was not an insult at all to Jesus to be a shepherd. And so that's why God in his divine providence, in his perfect plan, has his angels come and announce it to the outcasts. Now, we need to look at their Christmas song. It's right there in verse 14. They declare to these shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. There are two things that I want to point out about this song. The first is we notice that their song praises God. The, the, the very first phrase, glory to God in the highest. I don't know about you, but the longer I hang out with someone, the, the less impressed I am with them. I don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I, I, I see someone and I really start liking them and loving them, but I, I start seeing more of their flaws. I, I start seeing more of their weaknesses and I start realizing like, okay, they're, they're not quite on the upper echelon where I thought they were. They're, they're, they're more down here. Which is why when someone says something really nice when they barely know me, I'm thinking, oh, great. It's just all downhill from here now. These angels have been hanging out with God for generation after generation after generation after generation. And yet they are not less impressed with God. Instead, the more time goes on, the more impressed they are. And they stand before them and they are singing glory to God in the highest. <laughs> they don't appear going, 
Oh, guess what, guys? God finally got around to sending the Messiah. Sheesh, I would have done it a long time ago. No, they're so impressed. They can't help but praise God. But they don't just stop with praising God. They have a message to deliver. It's the second part of their song. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. In that one phrase, we find all of the themes of Advent. Three weeks ago, we saw Isaiah's song. We saw the theme of hope. Well, when you start looking at it, you realize that they're saying that the hope that the Jewish people long for, this Messiah, he's finally here. Hope is fulfilled. Two weeks ago, we heard about peace. And you see right there, they're singing that on earth, peace. God sent the Prince of Peace. He's now on earth. Spiritual peace is now yours. And then we saw last week, joy. You cannot help but notice the joy that these angels have. They explode. I mean, it says that the one angel tells them, here's where you're going to find this Messiah. You'll find this baby wrapped in swaddling clouds, laid, lying in a manger. And then suddenly it says, a multitude of the heavenly host. Host is an army. We're talking thousands appear in the sky. They have so much joy. Maybe they've been practicing this song for a millennia. Maybe they just kind of threw it together, spur of the moment. They're excited. They are there to sing and declare the goodness of God. But there's one more theme in Advent, and Sam and Jody read it for us. If you heard that fourth candle there, it's called the angel's candle. But did you hear what it's also called? The love candle. You see, the angels are declaring here the love of God. Think about it. One night, Jesus, as an adult, is approached by a rabbi by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus has all these questions for Jesus, and Jesus is answering them. And in the process of that conversation, Jesus says what is now probably the most famous verse in the entire Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's about Christmas. God gave a Christmas gift. He gave his one and only son. Why? Because God so loved the world. Some of you, 2020 has been really hard. And it's made you doubt the presence of God. It's made you doubt the, the goodness of God. It's made you doubt the power of God. For some of you, it's caused you to doubt the love of God. What you need to hear today is that God loves you. And, and God does not love you because you kind of got your act all cleaned up. He doesn't love you because you're a little more righteous than the next person. He doesn't love you because, you know, you're higher on that societal scale than others. You're not as low as a shepherd, you know, you're, you're better. No, 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 no. First John 4.10, which uh, Sam ended the, the reading with, makes it very clear. In this is love, all right? Here's the definition. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation means that the, the anger of God was paid off through the cross of Jesus. If you need to, a reminder that God loves you, you don't need to look any further than Christmas. The fact that the God is in human flesh, incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, lying in a manger, is proof of the love of God. Some of you, you need to know this. God loves you passionately 
There's a pastor that I follow on Twitter uh, by the name of Evan Welcher. Evan pastors a small uh, church in Glenwood, Iowa. I, I grew up about only 30, 40 uh, minutes from Glenwood. They were in our conference. Uh, uh, Jeff Dyer beat me in wrestling every single time uh, from Glenwood. But I follow Evan because he's, he's from kind of near my hometown. And every, well, I shouldn't say every single day. Almost every single day, the first thing that Evan puts on Twitter is God loves you. Some of you, you need the daily reminder. God loves you. He's passionate about you. We're going to talk about this even more on Christmas Eve. So you, you need to come because we've got one more song that we're going to hear in Scripture. And it's going to show us just how much God loves you. There's something else, though, in this story that we need to get. We need to know that God loves us, but there's something else. We actually see it in the response of the shepherds. If you have your Bible still open there, look there at verse 15. You notice the shepherds start talking to one another, saying, hey, let's, let's head into Bethlehem and see this thing. So they make their way in, and sure enough, they find Mary and Joseph and the baby. What is their reaction? Well, basically their reaction is to echo the angel. They, they basically start singing the, the angel's song because the first thing they do is they praise God. Look down there at verse 20. And the shepherds returned, going back out to their field, glorifying and praising God for all that they'd heard and seen. I mean, they, they're overwhelmed. They heard the advertisement, they bought into the product, and they're true believers now as well. And so they can't help but do the same thing. They praise God. But that's not all they do. They also do the next thing. They also share the good news of God's love. Look back up at verse uh, 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Now, because of a, a shepherd's low standing in society, if it had just been one lonely shepherd, I think some people would have written it off. They'd have been like, okay, that guy's out there alone by himself. You know, I wonder what kind of grass he's smoking out there. You know, like, seeing angels, I mean, come on, this is crazy. But when it's, and forget the pun, when it's a flock of shepherds, they take note. Because these shepherds suddenly don't seem to care what others think of them. Because here they are in town, away from their flocks, a good shepherd never leaves their sheep. Yet they're in town, and they're telling everyone, we heard these angels, they told us there was this baby, we went and we saw it, he's right over there. And he is a sign of God's love. So the angels praise God, but they declare God's love for humanity. So the shepherds hear the song, head into town, and they find it true, and they praise God, and they start telling people about God's love. And so guess what? Because you have heard the angel's song. You are to now go and be like the shepherds, and you are to praise God, and you are to make his love known. You guys realize that 2020 has been a really, really hard year for a lot of people. That for 300,000 families in America, they will be celebrating Christmas without a loved one because their loved one died of COVID. Others have lost their, their loved ones to cancer, uh, to, to other issues, just to old age. And so it's going to feel a little empty this Christmas. Others are going through their own battle their own health. Some are facing financial issues. A lot of people have lost their jobs during this pandemic. They're wondering, how are they going to make ends meet? And so this year, they can't buy the presents they normally would want to. And so they're hurting, they're struggling. 
Others, they've been trapped in, in their home together because they live in states or countries where they, they're told they can't go out. And so they're together. For some families, that's been wonderful. They're actually getting to know each other again. But for some families, it's actually taken the problems and made them worse. So if there's ever a time when some people need to hear that God loves them, now's the time. And if you know that this story is true, if you know that there is a God in heaven who sent his son into the world because he loved the world, then you need to be like the shepherds and echo the angel's song. You need to go and tell it on the mountain, declaring how much God loves the world. Because some people right now, they're struggling. They don't believe it. Because they are doubting God's presence. They're doubting God's power. They're doubting God's goodness. They're doubting God's existence. And what they need is to be reminded, God loves you. So may you believe that for yourself, and then may you be like the shepherds. And may you not worry what others think of you. May you just go and tell them, God loves you, because he sent his one and only son to be a propitiation your sin. So Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to realize that this is true, that you love us deeply and passionately. And then as we believe this truth, we would go and we would share this good news with others. We would tell them that you love them. God, we pray right now for those in our church family who are hurting. God, would you, through, through Christmas, help them to see Christ and, and to understand that hope and that peace and that joy, but especially today, to know your love. At the same time, God, would you move us to go, to tell our friends at work, our, our friends at school, that, uh, our neighbors across the street, that, that we would let them know God loves them. And the evidence of it is a baby in a manger. Because Jesus, you left your throne in heaven to come down to earth, taking on human flesh, setting aside all that you had as God to live among us, to, to experience the full human experience. But ultimately, Jesus, you lived sinlessly to go to that cross and die for us. That should give us hope. That should give us peace. That should give us joy. Because through all of that, we see the love of God. So God, would you just create a holy moment here? Would you give us a holy week as we move into a time of, of Christmas, of celebrating Jesus' uh, arrival? And as we do so, we would worship you fully because you love us. You didn't wait for us to love you first. You took the first step. You came for us. So God, would you just saturate us in that truth? Saturate us with your love. And as we are saturated in your love, it can't help but spill out and impact those around us. So God, do in us what you need to so you can do through us what you want to. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray this. Amen.